San Diego Comic-Con 2019 is going to be July 18th. That's a Thursday through Sunday, July 21st. And the Handsome Boys, of course, will be there. Uh, we are doing a bunch of interviews. We already have a bunch on the books. And we have a couple other ones that we're trying to get for you guys. We're very excited this year. We're also super psyched to host the Famous Monsters of Filmland panel called Making a World of Monsters. That's going to be Friday night at 5.30 p.m. in room 26AB. So come say hey to some famous monsters. Say hey to some famous handsome boys. Get some pictures. We'll do that like we did last year. We had a great time. We can't wait to see you guys at Comic-Con. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. All right, welcome to the Launchpad Podcast. I'm Aaron. I'm uh, Matt. Matt, it is so good to be back in the Launchpad with you, Rumi. It's been a long time. It has been. You've been super, super busy at work. I've been super, super busy yeah. trying to maintain a life form. <laughs> Keeping that kid alive is big work, man. Yeah, it's the 4th of July today. It is the 4th of July. Are you, do you doing anything? You doing doing a barbecue? No. Uh, me and Amanda might watch season three. We're keeping a fucking kid alive. You can't go to a barbecue if you have a fucking kid being like, I'm a bane in the ass. He's been a dick this week. I got to tell you. I love him. He's just starting to laugh and smile, which is cool. But also, he's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> There's giant earthquake today, That's... Rumi. Did you hear about that? No. Yeah, How dude. big? It was uh, 6.4. I forget where it was, but it was hours away from here. But it was probably the second biggest earthquake I ever felt here. It was big enough that they always say that you're supposed to stay. We even went to like a birth, not a birthing class, but like a baby care class that said like in the mm -hmm. event of an earthquake, you have to make sure you're safe so that you can be safe for your kid. Don't just go running into your kid's room. There could be glass and shit. You know, make sure you set up the room in a way that nothing will fall on them, but you got to wait till the earthquake's over to go. You know, it's the same thing as like when you're in a plane, you're supposed to secure your own oxygen mask before you secure theirs. Fuck that, man. The house started shaking. I was like, where's that kid? Let me go make sure he's safe. Him and Amanda were on the couch. It was like, it felt like the whole house was on something that was like a hammock was just swinging back and forth. And I was in bed when it happened and I ran into the other room and I didn't realize how bad it was till I got out there. And Amanda has a guitar hanging on the wall that was swinging. All of our hanging lights were swinging. So shit was swinging. Nothing fell, luckily. Nothing fell or moved. You know, the dog and Kent, the baby, both slept through it. So they didn't really care. <laughs> Good for them. Yeah. Oh man, that's amazing! Yeah, I do not miss that at all. I I do not like earthquakes. I get really weirded out by them. Like like the animals, you're like you look up and you're like looking around. What's that? Yeah, yeah. I, well, and also here's the thing: like I feel like I feel them all the time, and I'm like, do you guys feel that? And everybody's like, no. What? I'm like, was that an earthquake? And people are like, no, that wasn't an earthquake. And I'm like, why are all the lights swinging? Then we were literally in a Broadway play. I think it was Book of Mormon. Out here in Los Angeles. Yeah, out in Los Angeles a, a while ago, maybe two years ago. And right when intermission started, everybody stood up and I go, oh my God, an earthquake. And Kate goes, no, it's just the people walking. You're just feeling it. And I'm like, no, it's an earthquake. And she goes, no, it's just like the footsteps. And everybody got, and I'm like, why are the lights swinging? And then suddenly it was like all our phones started going, oh, you had an earthquake. <laughs> I was like that in, in a Glendale parking garage once where like, you know, when you're in a parking garage and you hear the cars above and below you, ka-chunk, 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 ka-chunk. Yeah. I, I, and I was in there. I was like, ooh, that feels like an earthquake. And the person was like, no, that's fucking, don't be stupid. Like, nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. Earthquake. You don't be stupid, Val. 
<laughs> yeah, so today we're we well we're kind of doing a what have you been watching a little mini so just a little catch up mm-hmm. but I have had no time to watch Jack shit I've watched literally nothing except the Godzilla movie which we talked about okay I've I've read some stuff and there's something that I wish I had watched and done a podcast with with what? my roomie and <laughs> our buddy Scott Shipley. I was editing the falling down episode and the mm-hmm. whole time I wanted to like just jump in on this thing because you know people don't know you and I went to college together and Scott and you went to college together. So we all went to college together. I, I remember yeah, Scott from I know you all these action movies. You didn't see movies. him as much, right? Yeah, well no, we we did a bunch of action movies together. Oh. He was always the guy who had he like he had the SWAT team costume. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he probably still like, does. That was his his claim to to fame, I guess, is like he had the fake guns and the airsofts and a lot of that stuff. So he would, you know, supply all the, you know, the little indie action movies that we were making with gear when I was doing blood pumps for. So, yeah, we, we interacted, you know, a decent amount. But um, hearing you guys talk about falling down was super fun. But the funniest thing, like thinking about it, there's something you guys never addressed. And the whole time I was screaming my head off is this movie defends uh michael douglas is like he's like one trigger away from turning into like your drunk racist relative at thanksgiving (laughs) okay you know what i mean like we're lucky that he's kind of an like like everything that he is railing against we're kind of like yeah i hate that i can't get breakfast at mcdonald's past 9 a.m when that when that was a thing and like yeah traffic does suck and yeah golf is stupid but like (laughs) it you know you're right it's like all of those things flirt with a taboo like you're like yeah, yeah soda should be cheaper and also minorities own grocery stores and it's like yeah, yeah fuck golf golf is boring and also old people are too crotchety and it's like <laughs> yeah. and then it, uh, there's um even when he goes into a whammy burger and they give him bullshit about uh ordering breakfast past uh 11 o'clock you're like yeah that yeah. should be but then later on when he talks to the nazis like it was black kids right it's like no it was white yeah, people. It, yeah. And then it starts to get like, like, and they show that side of it. But like Michael Douglas is literally one drink away, one glass of red wine away from being the Nazi. And I think that's why he kills him. He's one red baseball hat away from uh, being a Nazi. <laughs> Make Los Angeles great again. Oh, my God. Right. And I mean, you just like he just reminds me as the type of guy that would suddenly be like, yeah, we do need to build a wall. Keep you out. like he would be so on board with today's America. Happy Fourth of July. But, Woo, yeah, America. but I do feel that having him literally beat up and possibly kill a Nazi kind of tips the scales back. You're like, yeah, he is slightly racist against Koreans. But he hates <laughs> Nazis. And you're like, all right. <laughs> Which is so funny because we just like literally in the past, what, two, three years had a whole like national conversation about like, is it cool to punch a Nazi? And I don't know. But for me, the answer is always yes, yes. especially in movies. <laughs> yes, it, yes. yes. At yes. least in entertainment. In real life, you, you sh- yeah. I mean, I suppose you shouldn't punch anybody. But if someone deserves a punch... To get it's a punched, Nazi, it's right? gotta be a Nazi, right? I mean, I'm saying that's what I'm saying here. But yeah, he is literally like, yeah, one red hat away and a tiki torch to be. I, you know, honestly, I don't <laughs> remember. Taking our heritage. I don't remember if Scott and I talked about this. And if you guys don't know what we're we're talking about, first of all, what kind of fans are you? Our last two episodes, uh, my friend Scott Shipley and I talked about uh, different aspects of the Michael Douglas movie 
directed by uh, Joel Schumacher, Falling Joel Down. Joel Schumacher. Um, if you yeah. guys haven't seen that movie, drop what you're doing now, watch it, because it is balls to the wall awesome. Um, and me, I actually got to say, Scott was a great guest to have on, and this kid has like an encyclopedia-like knowledge of movies, and pull, he can pull quotes and obscure shit, too. And he knows his stuff, so we'll definitely have him back on the show. But talking about that movie was so much fun. But I, I think part of the allure of that movie and part of the allure of Punisher and John Wick and shit like that is because, you know, through that protagonist, you can kind of let your hair down and, you know, do stuff and feel stuff that you wouldn't want to do in real life. So, you know, the movie opens with him in traffic and he just loses it and he leaves his car in the middle of traffic, stop and go traffic, and just l- walks away. And we've all wanted to do that. But you can't. Like, society says you can't. You know, you've all wanted to break up a Korean grocery store because the guy had unfair prices and was being unreasonable, regardless of his race. Only white grocery stores, Remy. Yeah. I, I only wanted to bust up white grocery stores. But, like, I think... Um, the Korean ones always have, like, something cool, like, woo, dried squid. I didn't know I could eat this. Delicious. Remy, you're not supposed to eat that. That's for cleaning. <laughs> but I think you know that movie. You know, it's it's you you want to smash the guy's donuts and shit like that because he's being unfair. That's a you know like a primeval, primordial type of lizard brain thing that we have. But I bet you you can get like a fucking psychologist to talk about the deeper stuff that 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 you and I are joking with. But I think are probably real issues there where you know that that movie could be making statements underneath each of those misadventures that he goes on you know no they definitely have a pulse on something but yeah it's just it's always interesting to me because it just had this it always had this like i it always made me nervous when i first saw it and even still to this day there's parts where it's like you just don't know when that shoe's gonna drop mm-hmm. and he's gonna be like let me tell you something about the jews and you're like whoa 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 michael douglas <laughs> settle down like like I, I just that every scene just felt like it was about to go there, and then it rode that line, which I suppose is why another reason why it's such a well done movie is because it does keep you on your edge the, on the edge the whole time, being like, what what is he going to do? Is he going to take it too far? And he threads that needle in a way that almost seems like an accident. Yeah, and I think what you're saying, you just said the words too far, and I think every movie yeah. or book or any every every piece of entertainment does have that line, and it's in different places. And if you cross that line, you risk losing a good chunk of your audience. And I think that this is a movie that does not do that. And I would say, like, part of me criticizes this movie for not going a little bit further. But if he went a little bit further, (laughs) he'd be killing people. And, you know, it's you can't have. Well, it's hard to relate to your protagonist if he's killing grocery store owners or if he's killing old men who are being dicks in the golf course. Have you seen a movie called God Bless America by Bobcat Goldthwaite? Uh, no, I know what it is, though. Yeah, this is a movie about a guy who's dying from cancer, and he and a 16-year-old girl go on a rampage across country in, like, a sweet car, and, like, literally, like, somebody, like, parks them in in a parking lot, and they just lean out the window and kill them. Like, it is... So, have you seen it, though? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I really liked it, but it's one of those movies that you're just like, oh, my God, they're going there and they're going way too far with it. And did you feel dirty for liking it? The whole point is it's supposed to make you look at yourself and go, you're disgusting, but also the people who deserve to get shot for being idiots in parking lots, like, they are also disgusting. Mm -hmm. It just just makes you feel, like, ashamed and disgusting all around. It's a really well-done movie with good commentary, but, like, the beginning of the movie before it kind of comes back around with the message and the meaning and the subtext 
is literally a 16 year old girl and a sick man just murdering people and you're just like what are you doing movie bobcat are you okay dude and then you know by the end you're like oh okay they kind of turn it around but still at the end of the movie like the 16 year old girl's a murderer she's murdered lots and lots of people by the end of the movie it's okay though she just goes to juvie <laughs> they can't convict her and they can't put her in big people jail they say hey don't do that anymore when you turn 18 you get to learn about a new word expunged <laughs> We should do an episode about taboo, like taboo, like taboo movies or TV shows or websites where like you're kind of being naughty by engaging in it. And do you, is that like, what, what's the appeal there? Be kind of, a, we'd feel grossed afterwards, but. Less cousins dangerous. <laughs> nice pull. Yeah. For, for our audience, Rumi, what is that from? Uh, Arrested Development when uh, Michael Sarah's character loves uh, what's in his cousin, maybe. And he, there's yeah. a, there's a French film. That's called Dangerous Cousins, right? Yeah. And it's these two cousins and he's and like he it inspires him to like fall in love with his cousin and he tries to take her to it. And then I think later in the series she ends up producing the American remake, but it's terrible. <laughs> oh man. Oh, hilarious. So yeah, it was really fun to hear you guys uh, talk about falling down you guys really really covered it well and uh yeah man good movie yeah people should go watch it but don't shoot anybody up like don't if you find a suitcase full of guns just just you, you know you maybe find a suitcase full of guns if a car full of bad guys shoots at you and then crashes their own car you can go take a gun and shoot someone in the shoot one of them in the leg and then walk away with the gun <laughs> that's fine <laughs> <laughs> At least in nineties Los in nineties Los Angeles, I feel like that probably happened a lot. The thing is, it's like for as crazy as that movie makes Los Angeles looks, what was happening at that time, like in nineteen ninety three, the riots were happening, mm -hmm. and it's crazier than that movie ever gets. Sure, yeah, yeah. But man, yeah, good times, man. Well, like I said, I haven't watched anything. So, is there anything you've been watching? Let me think. Let's see. I actually, I actually just started reading something, but I'm not really ready to talk about it yet. You had suggested I read uh, Tom King's Mr. Miracle, and I'm about, yeah. I'm one, literally one issue into the first trade of that, and I'm, I'm hooked already. I think that that looks awesome. Amazing! How amazing is that first intro? He's like, I'm it's Mr. Cool. Miracle, and then like it tells you his backstory, and the whole thing is done in square nine panel, mm -hmm. like literally a single page of a comic book divided into nine little boxes all symmetrical there's no splash pages except when it counts and it first starts with showing like here's his backstory super fun he's like i'm mr miracle i can escape anything and then you turn the page and it's like one of the only splash pages in the entire run it's just him on the ground with his wrist slit it's a double page splash yeah he's sitting in a costume yeah. and he's just with no ma his mask is on the floor and there's a straight razor on the floor and his hands are covered in blood and you're like wait what the fuck yeah. That's how you start your comic. It's it's definitely like a slap in the face. Yeah, it definitely. I was like, and I don't know much about Mr. Miracle. I just know the very, very basics. So the story, you know, that that preamble in the beginning gives you a couple pages worth of what, you know, his backstory is. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay. And then I'm reading, I'm like, oh, I should look at, you know, it mentions an event. And you're like, oh, okay, I should Google that, look into that so I know a little bit more about his character. But I don't even know, aside from being good at escaping, I don't know what his strengths and weaknesses are, but I'm like thinking about that. And all of a sudden it's like, boom. Yeah. The only thing I know about him is because I looked up shitty storylines and comic books for one of our episodes. <laughs> and I know that his wife, Big Barda and a brainwashed Superman almost filmed a porno. I remember that. That was way back, huh? <laughs> way back. Launchpad throwback. I can't even tell you what episode that was. 
Um, was it shitty villains? Yeah, I think that was bad villain plans. I think we, <laughs> and if you guys, that's a good episode. If you guys haven't listened to that, we like that episode. That was a long time oh, ago. Oh, that's one where the, where the evil rocketeers show up. And, oh, that's right. We were taken over. We, we got kidnapped, yeah. remember? <laughs> I, do, I do remember that we got kidnapped. It slipped my mind, but now that you're recall, reminding me. We had a daring escape. That episode, I was confusing I was confusing Big Bartho with uh, Granny Good. Granny Goodness, yeah. <laughs> so how don't I do that? But Man. But yeah, Mr. Miracle's amazing. So yeah, you're a little bit into that. Man, it get, it's really good. One of my favorite issues is when they're trying to decide how to redecorate their apartment. Sounds like something you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> like oh good a superhero comic about redecorating the whole time they're having this conversation about like what couch they should get they're infiltrating like a top secret like magical base and fighting dragons and just killing people left and right <laughs> it's amazing you know what i also have been reading and i'm deeper into this and i highly recommend it i'm late to the game but the matt fraction um hawkeye with art by david oh, really? oh dude it's great really understated really cool it starts at a point where you don't have to know anything about anything, you know. So, you know, like you you know who Hawkeye is, but you might not know all of his stories and shit. It doesn't matter. And hmm. it's uh, it, it's really, really, really good. Oh, you know what's really weird? You said Hawkeye, and immediately I thought of Hawkman. No, and then I realized, oh no, it's not that. It's the Jeremy Rena Rena Rainer. Yeah. Jeremy, call us. <laughs> yeah. Tell us. It's him, but then I suddenly saw him playing Hawkman in a movie in my head. So right now I'm like all twisted. He could do that. Yeah. Dude, I can't wait for the day we get him on the show. He's going to be on the show at some point. And then he'll just... Some point. And we'll be like, yeah, Mr. Jeremy, we only have one question for you. What is your last name? <laughs> what is your last Say name, your please? last name slowly and phonetically. And, and if we have time, would you be in a Hawkman movie? <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been mistaken for the superhero that you were playing did you ever accidentally go to set in a hawk man costume <laughs> <laughs> he's like no but i was harvey birdman for halloween once <laughs> i love the idea Close of like enough. him coming to an avenger set dressed as hawk man from dc comics and if you guys don't know who these characters are hawkeye is a marvel comics character who looks like a human and he sometimes has a black tiara mask on and he's great with a bow and arrow Hawkman is a super strong guy in the DC universe who has a helmet of a hawk head with a hawk nose, and he has giant feathered wings on his back, and usually a mace. And no shirt. Never a shirt. No, you don't need a shirt. Super buff. Hawk, hawk <laughs> Eye usually has a shirt. But I love the idea of him going to set, to Hawk Eye set, dressed <laughs> as Hawkman, but then like trying to play it off. He's like, no, I know. I just, like you said, it was like I was at a Harvey Birdman festival. You're like, what? No, no, I no, I know the difference between Hawk Eye and Hawk Man. <laughs> I, I'm a I'm a DC guy at heart. It's not my fault I got cast in a Marvel movie. Come on, jeez. <laughs> my agent said Hawk Man. I'm pretty sure. Let me before I take the before I take the wings off, let me just call my agent. <laughs> oh my god. The Hawk Eye book is great though. Like it really I gotta be like maybe 10, 12 issues in. And this is old. Yeah. This is at least like four or five years old, I think. And there's like a, huh. a girl who's kind of learning to be Hawkeye with him. And she is like a secondary character, but she's one of my favorite characters, just the way Matt Fraction writes writes her. It's really, it's a, it's a good book. And it's not like an ass-kicking book. It's it's not, I'm trying to think what I can even compare it to. It's not even a daredevil because he's a street level type guy, but he's not really like kicking ass all day long. He's only a little bit of kicking ass. And it's, 
I don't know. It, it it's it's a way more interesting book for a guy who shoots a bow and arrow. You, like what I would have thought you could give that character. You know, he writes a book very slowly called Sex Criminals. That's one of my favorite yeah. comic books. Yeah, yeah. I've only read the first trade, but and that's a that's a thing that I was like, this is a little far out of my normal reading log or comfort zone. But I was actually really on board with it. Yeah, it's really well done. Sex Criminals is really good, but he just takes forever to write it. Like every now and then you'll get an issue and be like, oh, well, I guess I'll pick that up and like read them when I have more. Oh, you mean like the space between? It's not that his storytelling is slow. It takes him a while no, to no, make no. issues. No, no, no. It's like book one and two came out and then book three took like almost a year to come out. Like it was just forever for, for more books and more issues oh, to come out. Oh, I heard like, about okay. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the difference between those is book one and book two was sex criminals and book three was tantric sex criminals. <laughs> <laughs> Patience. Yeah, no, that, was the, that book was good. And he's... I am trying to think. He wrote some Daredevil that I liked, but it wasn't as good as Bendis or Brubaker stuff, but it was good. And he wrote a Defenders book that I bought that was like, I want to say it was like She-Hulk, Silver Surfer, Doctor Strange, and maybe one or two other people. And it just, again, it wasn't exactly my wheelhouse, but it was good. And he wrote interesting characters and he gave each one of those characters a distinct voice that then, you know, fit well or didn't fit well with the group, but it was an interesting story to read. So... Um, but this, this Hawkeye is definitely like, I feel like he's got his groove. I like David Aha art a lot and I think it's working well for the tone of the series. What's his name? Aha, A-J-A. Aha. Aha. (laughs) There you go. That's how it's pronounced. Uh, you (laughs) (laughs) had, that's only, that's only if you find him somewhere. If you see him in a con, you have to be, (laughs) aha. That's his, if you see his whole family, that's what you say. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny, man. So I've been reading an older comic as well. I, I, I just got the first compendium of The Goon called uh, A Bunch of Old Crap. That's the title of it? Yeah, it's called The Goon, A Bunch of Old Crap. And it's just a big collection of all his earliest Goon comics, like the first three oh, okay. uh, miniseries ones, and then like some of the first Dark Horse ones. And so like just, just the earliest stuff. Because I was like, well, I'm interested in this. He fights zombies and squid monsters and i like the style of it It looks very easy comics so i wanted to get into it so i was like i like to start at the beginning of things right um this is by eric powell and the beginning of the book is literally an apology it's like hey if you like good comics uh don't read this uh this is my earliest stuff and i guess i should have it for posterity but i think it sucks and like i'm so much better now and then like <laughs> you turn the page and it's like another apology as letters like seriously i'm just milking this for a lot of worth i'm just trying to get some money out of this because i hate it and then, like, you turn the page and again, and it's the characters from the comic book doing an apology about how crappy this. And, like, I'm reading it, and, like, it's a little, like, juvenile and, and like, definitely, like, a, a, a little amateur, but it's super fun. Like, he's just this giant, like, Hulk monster who fights zombies and giant, like, mutated chimps and space alien, like, robots. It's a Dark Horse book, right? Yeah. Well, it was other things and other things in Dark Horse. And, yeah, it's it's kind of floated around, but. It's super fun. I've been having a great time reading it. And even though he, he says it's crappy and I, I get it, your earliest stuff probably isn't your favorite, but is the thing where he's apologizing, is that a uh, thing that he's written recently or is that how the first book yeah, started? It's back like the, in the forward day? to the book. Oh, okay. Where he's <laughs> like, sorry guys, this is terrible. And if you want good stuff, read the later issues. And you know, I think the real, the latest one's really good. <laughs> okay. I, I think it's fun. The character's really cool. I can't believe it hasn't had a movie. I, I'm looking into it. It's had like a long storied career of just development hell, but I think it'd, it'd be a great candidate for a rad movie. 
who who would you if if they called you today and said, "Rumi, we're making a goon movie." You're in charge of casting. Who would you cast as the goon? Oh, again, it's Mickey Rooney from, you know, it's, it's Marv. It's definitely Marv. But okay. then he already did. He already did Marv. So it can't be Marv again. Or can he? But it's, it it's that same same character. So like who would be who's the, who's your next choice for giant grizzled, you know, bad motherfucker? Sylvester Stallone could do it. What about a race car guy from from, from Vin Diesel? Oh, he'd be a good one, too. I yeah. don't know. How, I don't I don't know how goon acts. So I don't know if. Uh, Vin Diesel could handle the acting chops of that, but I mean, he's just about what you would expect from a character titled the Goon. You know, he has lines like "I'll learn you something, bub." You know, shit like that. It's it's he's just a big grizzled punch monster. And then Paul Giamatti ha- would would have been Frank, but now Paul Giamatti's probably too old. But he was the one who they were trying to get as the voice in a in a animated version of it. Oh, okay. So they've been trying for years to make this thing into a cartoon, like a CGI animated movie, and just can't for whatever reason. Uh, computer technology is not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> can't do awesome too good. But yeah, I was been reading that, and then, um, dude, some huge news in the comic world this week. And I know you don't give a shit about this title, but it, you have to admit, I think even you can admit this is a big deal. If it's about comic books, yeah, I don't know about that shit because I'm I'm a cool guy. I don't know about that nerdy comic book stuff. Robert Kirkman ended The Walking Dead after 193 issues after a 15 year w- run out of nowhere. Complete surprise. Re- like really? Like did they, it was this wasn't something people knew was going to happen. He just stopped the issue before 192. He killed Rick Grimes. Like killed him. Turned him into a zombie. And his son Carl shot him in the head. Really? So then the next issue was like. The only thing we knew about it was it was a big, a supersized issue. It was 73 pages, which is like, that's huge for that a comic That is, 73, book. Usually, a normal comic is 22, 23 pages. Yeah, so it was a massive issue, and then you open it, and it's a big time jump. It, it cuts to Carl being like 35, 40-year-old man, and you're like, whoa. And you're reading through it, and you're like, wow, they're kind of reaching back around to all the characters we've seen throughout the comic and where they're at now, and... Then you get to the end and it's him and his daughter. He puts his daughter to bed reading her a story and it seems like the world is kind of in an okay place, maybe even a better place than it was. And then you turn the last page and it says the end. And then you turn the next page and it's a six page letter from him being like, this is it. It's over. It's done. We did it. Like I, I, I needed to end it on my own terms and I wanted it to be a surprise because if I told you it was ending, it's like when you watch a movie and then you look at your watch and you're like, oh, there's only 10 minutes left. Ooh. Sure. I guess that's a that's an interesting take too. He went so far as to have pre-sale covers for issues after this. Really? Yeah. So there are two fake covers for comics that don't exist. What if they do exist and it's just like yeah, the opening and like the 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 front cover and the back cover? <laughs> they sell those too. But like, here's the thing about it. You know, people are like, "Wow, why did you end it? Why did you end it?" I know exactly why you end it. Because when you realize post-apocalypse as a genre only exists when there's an apocalypse. When you solve the problem, now you're just Little House on the Prairie. (laughs) You have quite a way of phrasing things. Unless you keep introducing some apocalypse aspect, the genre changes. And that's not to say that, you know, a Western, you know, I like Deadwood a lot. Deadwood's a great, awesome, hardcore, badass Western. But like if I came in for a zombie movie and now I'm stuck into 300 issues of Deadwood, that's not what I came for. And it's like the post-apocalypse as a genre basically kills itself once you solve the problem. Yeah, that's that's true. That And that makes a lot of sense. And I, 
I kind of get what you're saying, and I know that you, the way you watch something, if you're watching something that is a post-apocalyptic zombie movie, and now that you've solved the problem, the zombies are not as big a deal, what are you watching? Yeah, that makes you're sense. just watching a Western or a, a pioneer movie. Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> Little House on the Prairie. And again, not to say that there isn't merit in those stories to tell, but, you know, I came for the zombies. <laughs> so I get it. I think he goes, great. Now that I've finished this part of the story, I can move on to Carl's story. And then he goes, all right, what does Carl do? Well, he helps set up a telegraph and he helps fix the poison in the well and catches some snakes. And then you're like, wait, 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 this is just a Western. <laughs> this is boring. So then we just ended it. <laughs> She's like, ah, you know what? Here's what happens. It's done. And it ends well. Like, I'm, I'm actually pretty satisfied with the wrap-up of it. But, I mean, I've been reading that comic since I was 20. Like, I read that comic day one. I went into the Harvard comic shop, Newberry Comics. It was in Harvard Square, but I went to the Newberry Comics there and give me something zombies. And he's like, boom, this just came out. And it was Walking Dead issue one. And it was blew my mind. Man, it's an end of an era. I think the first Walking Dead comics I read were yours when we lived together. I think that's when I picked up the series to begin with, was, was when we lived together. And you were like, too much characters, too much blah, 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 I was blah, like, blah. this isn't that great. I'll read 75 issues of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. It's true, though. It's definitely true. Gets you in, in the door. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, there was a moment where, like, when you realized that it was over, that you were just like, wow. And it hit you hard. It left you like really ringing where you're just like, it's not like in Marvel where it's like they kill Wolverine well, and Wolverine's coming back. They killed Bruce Wayne. No, but Bruce Wayne's coming back. This is it. It was done. It's like, damn, that's pretty final and good for him for doing it on like he has written every issue of that. He never had a guest writer. It was all him. And that's pretty badass. I appreciate the impact it's had on comics and on horror and on television. And I think you said it best. Where, like, it's cool that it was a continuing series about a post-apocalyptic zombie bullshit, which had never really been done before. It always ends at the end of whatever movie or whatever you're watching. And the, I guess it kind of delivered on that. I just wish, I always wish it was more. It's important. It's important. It definitely is important. It definitely has led to a lot. But... Yeah, guys, let us know what you've been watching. Were you a big fan of The Walking Dead comics? Were you blown away or were, was it spoiled for you? Did somebody spoil it for you before you were able to read it and find out and have that full impact? What else have you been watching? Rumi and I have been reading because we don't have time to watch stuff right now, but... We're educated. We're educated. Look at us reading our comic books. Let us know what you've been watching. <laughs> Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LaunchpadPod and our website, LaunchpadPod.com. And guys, check out our two-part series about falling down with our homie Scott Shipley, Emerson alumni and movie buff. Man, that guy knows his stuff. Check it out. Falling Down two-part series. And again, thanks to everybody for interacting with us and listening to the Launchpad Podcast. We got San Diego Comic-Con is coming soon. And Rumi and I, the Rocketeers, will once again be hosting the Famous Monsters of Filmlands panel. At least as of right now, it's titled Making a World of Monsters. It's going to be Friday the 19th at 5.30 p.m. And it's in room 26AB. So uh, we'll be around the con uh, for most of the days, at least. Some, some days I might be there. Some days Rumi might be there. Some days we'll both be there. But we have a lot of interviews shaping up. Uh, and I can tell you who just yet. But some pretty cool people from some different stuff that's not our normal stuff, which will be interesting. But yeah, if you want to come set, check out our panel, Famous Monsters, 
of Filmland, Making a World of Monsters. It's Friday at 5.30 p.m. in room 26AB. Come and see some handsome boys. We'll sign your shirts. We'll sign your little nerd merchandise. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Definitely hit us up at the con. I, I don't know where I am, but you boys look handsome. And I have a Sharpie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you bring it. We'll sign it. Guys, hit us up at the con. We cannot wait to go. We love going to Comic-Con. We love seeing our fans there. You know, let us know. Tweet at us. Text us. Hit us up on the DMs on Instagram. You can email us, launchpadpod at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, there's lots of ways to get a hold of us. Let us know where you're at at the con so we can meet up, say hi, and, uh, you know, check out the con together. We'll be down there for a couple of days. It's going to be great. And hit us up. Please come to that famous Monsters of Filmland panel. Rumi, you ready to blast things off? Yeah, let's do it. We haven't blasted off in a long time. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero.